Welcome to season two of the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode 30, season two of the Shopstool podcast. As always, I want to start by introducing my two co-hosts. Joey, how are you? Very good, Robin, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. And Brian, how's it going? I'm good, Robin. How are you? It's good. I'm good. My name is Robin Lewis. Welcome to the show, everyone. So today we're going to, it's just going to be the three of us chatting. And what we want to do is, in the future, sometime, we want to put together a bit of a, a social media, YouTube, Instagram-oriented uh, episode. And we sort of toyed with a couple of our uh, topic ideas and we didn't really have a good one to settle on. So we thought what we'd do instead is put out to all of you guys who are listening to the show, because we know that a lot of you are on Instagram and YouTube and and Facebook. Do you have any questions for us? Because obviously we're all, you know, that's very much part of our day to day. Um, We're all, um, I'd say we are we are um, more prevalent in different platforms so we've got a a wide array of experience if you guys have got any questions send them to us Um, i'm sure everyone knows us on our different uh, personal accounts so you know i'm robin lewis makes brian you're just sawdust bureau right yep yep sawdust bureau sawdust bureau and then joey is king post timberworks um, Instagram or Facebook, you know, send us a message, any questions that you've got, anything that uh, you're a little bit unsure about or you just want some advice on, we'd be happy to weigh in our two cents. And uh, I think we'll just make an episode out of that. Yeah. And just don't don't message me on Facebook. You will not get a reply. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think that's going to be a very, it's probably going to be part of the show is talking about Facebook and its its role in in yeah. <laughs> social media today. Sure. So yeah, pro- probably Instagram, even, or even YouTube. Um, you know, I I get um, messages every now now and then on YouTube. So yeah, Instagram is yeah. probably the one though. Yeah. Yeah. So send us your questions, and if we get enough, we'll make a whole episode out of it. If not, we'll just try and slot them in here and there in the future. All right. Now back to tonight's show. It is the 13th of August and it is a very different scene out there compared to what we were seeing <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Joey, you've, yeah, I think you're probably the most recent um, casualty to COVID. Yeah. Well, everyone's calling it lockdown two or B2 or whatever you want to say. Um, we're not actually in strict lockdown yet as of tonight we're still in level three so that means i can still go to work which is good i can still get materials uh, which is a little trickier but can can be done um problem is i can't go to clients houses to drop off the stuff um and at the moment i've actually got three or four standalone pieces i'm working on of various degrees of um goodness (laughs) goodness <laughs> sorry why can't you go word. to their their house uh, surely if you're social distancing not allowed to break, break like household bubbles is how i understand it to be right. so I, I couldn't go into someone's house i and so for freestanding things i could probably drop off pieces to a garage mm. or the front door depends if there's hands available to shift it into the house 
Um, and even for me, at least one of the pieces I can't really safely lift without damaging the, the sideboard. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. I think I'm just going to try and take a bunch of pictures and take like 90% of the payment and then leave 10% on, on it until I can actually drop it off. Um, that seems to be the only kind of thing I can think of at the moment. Um, but as you say, if, if it's going to level four, if we go to level four, which could be tomorrow or Saturday, um, and that probably will be for two weeks minimum, then no one's, no one's doing any work anyway, which is a pain in the butt again. Um, so I was, who was I saying this to someone? Um, so last time the government paid everyone out, everyone who was eligible got paid out um, for like 12 weeks of what they was the same as like maternity leave if you were in that position. So it equated to around for a full-time employee, it was about $7,000 everyone who was entitled got for that 12 weeks. And we were able to save and kind of move money around and we kind of allocated all that money for our business overheads instead of taking it as drawings to buy food and stuff. We did what we could to keep that money aside for the business to keep the the lights on, so to speak. Um, Last week that just ran out. So we're like right, right at the point where we get coming into another lockdown We're we're gone back to having, you know, not so much money kicking about to keep the lights on. So it's a pain in the ass. Um, so we'll see what happens. But um, yeah. Tough times. Yeah, I, I think as long as, if we can stick at level three, I think it's probably best for every, everyone all around. So yeah. People can still work. And people, like today, talking to the truck drivers and stuff, you know, no one's on the roads. The, the city is pretty desolate. Most people got the idea of staying at home, which is great. And if, and if people can work from home and be allowed to travel to their workplaces and work safely, then I think that's got to be a, the best kind of compromise rather than just straight up stuck in your house. But I guess it gets to a point like where you are, Brian, where the caseloads and whatever, they decide that, that no one can go to work. Uh, yeah, so... We've obviously had it a bit different from you. Like we sort of saw what was coming and mm. uh, watched it unfold over a period of about a week. That's about true. Two weeks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, we don't don't want to turn this into a political <laughs> thing. But yeah. the messaging, especially based around sole traders, which I'd say probably the majority of furniture makers are sole traders, or maybe one other apprentice or something. I, w- mm-hmm. I would say. Um, the mixed messaging around that has been really stressful to deal with. So yeah. an announcement comes saying sole traders are excluded from the restrictions and they can still be in their place of work so long as they don't have contact with anybody. You right. just need to print out this permit to allow yourself to travel, show it to the police, army, whoever's doing checkpoints, and you'll get through. And then in the middle of the night, they change that form and just excluded the bit about soul traders with no no announcement, no media, no nothing. And I just found out from a group, a group of other furniture makers, they're like, is this the form that you downloaded? I'm like, no, that's not the form I downloaded. Have you and got the uh, one with the, the right? 
I've got the one that says sole traders are exempt so long as you don't have contact with anybody. But could you try and use that one, seeing as it's an official document? <laughs> well, I might not incriminate myself on this podcast, <laughs> right. but, um, but it has just been really mixed messaging, yeah. as opposed to you know the first stage four. Did you call it stage four or stage three lockdown? Stage uh, four when Auckland what? went, or when the whole of New Zealand went shut down? It was, was four, stage yeah. four. Yeah. For five so your stage four was very different from our stage four because certain businesses are still allowed to trade. Right. Um, so if you can associate yourself with construction, mm. but it's this massive gray area of what, it, like if you make vanities and bench tops and things, is that enough associated with construction? They have a loophole to allow metal workers to still work for some reason. And people have phoned up DHHS to confirm like, oh, if I make metal furniture, is that okay? And they get the answer of, well, you can't make metal tables, but you can make metal beds. Like, it is the most... Apparently, yeah. That means that someone sat down and actually thought about like all these little minute um, differences where it should be a bit more overreaching, you would think. Exactly. They should just, I mean, they should have really shut down everything. Um, but this is the way that our government have chosen to do it, and we've just got to deal with it. So for the first few days, I was like, okay, it's fine, I can keep working. So I went to the timber yard, bought a couple of grand's worth of timber, mm-hmm. and I was like, right, I'll just I'll focus on doing star map tables. Um, and then, and then delivered, can... delivered one on the Wednesday afternoon, and then Thursday I find out that I can't be in the workshop anymore. Oh, my God. And it was zero notice. It was like Thursday morning I found out that this document had changed. And I'm like, right, well, what do I do now? So I glued up as many blanks for those tables as possible. Um, oh, to bring them home? And to bring them home. Um, so I'm now, I've got enough for six tables. And I've got my uh, workbench set up in the back garden. Sweet. I've got the shaper going, and that's pretty much all I can do. But um, that's I'm actually doing a, a little... perfect, a perfect tool for for where you're at. Like a handheld is... portable CNC is going to be about the best thing for your situation. Yeah, and I was actually lucky enough to get hold of one of the the shaper workstations that they've just released. Oh wow! Um, so there is actually a lot more that I can do at home. That I didn't think I could do. Awesome. Obviously, there's going to be issues with noise. <laughs> yeah, well, no, <laughs> because you're in an apartment. I'm not in an apartment, oh, not but an apartment. I'm in a I'm in a pretty tight residential block, yeah. um, and everybody's working from home. Mm. Yeah, true. So yeah, but you're working from home too. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Direct all uh, noise complaints to Dan Andrews at Victor.gov.au. <laughs> Is, is what I'm advising. But it's quite um, funny you talk about that um, a router outside. The local park that I've got around the corner from me, there's a, a, there's a house next to it with no fence around it. And there was a guy out the front the other morning routing. And the noise, the noise yeah. emanating from this throughout the whole neighborhood, the park, everything, it was just so incredibly loud. Um, across the road from me, someone's been using either a power planer or a thicknesser. (laughs) 
so loud, <laughs> so incredibly loud. And I get, I get very nervous about it because obviously working in, yeah. underneath my house in residential area, I'm very nervous. But I've gone to some serious extents to try and keep that noise in. And it was only when I heard it from my house, you know, three houses down the road that I thought, I'm fine. Like these guys, yeah. it's so incredibly loud. Yep. You know, the noise that I'm making is nothing compared to that. It's it's such a tricky one because, I mean, I've got a building site on one side of my house. So they're making roughly as much noise as I've been making, but they're doing it with permits, whereas <laughs> yeah. I obviously can't operate a commercial workshop from my backyard. But I have kind of feel as though I've been left with no choice. Um, surely you're allowed to be a hobbyist woodworker in your backyard. Maybe yeah. a hobbyist woodworker, yeah. But, um, you can make as many coffee tables as you like as a hobbyist. <laughs> where does that where does that legal line sit? If you have a registered business to your your home address, then surely that is that's well, it. I have to. My business is registered to my home address because my workshop yep. doesn't have an address. Right. So <laughs> oh. It's just a point on a map. Um, no. But I mean, this is. Like, I'm trying to make the most of it and do what I can. Um, mm. This is where we've ended up. We are still being supported financially by the government until March. Mm. Um, oh, next March. Yeah. Wow. So well, that's pretty good. They've obviously done their modelling and they know that this is going to run and run. Yeah. Um, the support dr- was due to drop in September and it's just a nationwide thing at the minute, the JobKeeper, so... It's due to drop in September. I don't know whether they're going to try to get exemption for Victoria, but they just keep rolling out business grants um, that exclude sole traders. So <laughs> it's a bit shit then when you're when you're told that sole, as a sole trader that you work by yourself that you can't work because of risk of spreading the virus. And I'm like, I kind of understand it, but I can with a trade card I can go and walk into Bunnings and buy whatever I want for my home renovation or whatever. I can walk down the street, buy a coffee. I can walk to the florist, buy flowers. Like, it just, it feels as though it's very mixed messaging. Um, mm. And there's a lot of confusion out there. I do know some people that are still uh, still working and uh, they find a great loophole that coffin makers can continue. <laughs> so, How depressing um, is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty depressing. So a friend of mine who will remain nameless, but he knows who he is, has made up a beautiful um, plywood coffin in his workshop so that if he gets a knock on the door from the police, he's going to be like, here's my coffin. (laughs) He's making a sign for the front of his workshop saying, directly supplies construction industry coffin maker. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean... Metal work on the side. I mean, what the hell can they do? Oh my God. Like, if you're going to create... If you're going to create weird loopholes, yeah, people are going to do it to stay absolutely. alive. And but yeah. do, you, do you get the feeling, Brian, being then in Victoria, that they are actively policing it? I don't know. I know I've, I have heard in industri- some industrial estates that there have been door knocks. Right. Where I am is not really an industrial estate, so... They don't know how to get like, to you because there's no address. <laughs> like, there's no address and there's no public road that links yeah. them like you gotta come through gates so I don't know it's it's just a bit of a mess at the minute but mm. four and a bit weeks to go four and a half weeks to go and um, we'll just see what happens I 
<laughs> I expect that stage three will probably go on for the rest of this year, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but unless you're going to let sole traders work, you're going to destroy a lot of big sector of the economy. Yeah, I, I must say, just while we're on COVID, this last um, kind of lockdown thing for us, everyone got like an emergency message on the on our cell phones the government puts out a emergency thing well and it that went out at something like 10 10 o'clock at night and i just got into bed and i heard it heard it go off and i was like ah, i'm having sleep before i work out what the hell is going on like, <laughs> if it's the end of the world i'll get a, a, a night's sleep first um so that morning i had to race into the city and collect some tools from um, a job site in midday was the the cut the, the cut off for the lockdown, so everyone had half a day, mm-hmm. and my God, Auckland City just exploded with people buying up anything they could. Like it was outrageous. Yeah, I had to drop into um, Bunnings on the way to my job site to pick up a tube of no more gaps of coloured no more gaps, and um, which I didn't have any of. And the place people were buying trolleyfuls of ten liter pails of paint and just like grabbing stuff like like it was the end of the world it was just like what are you people doing like just crazy panic buying in a hardware store it's kind of funny because i think it's i think it's the the we've sort of eased into well you don't really want to say easing into where we are but it's been a gradual decline in melbourne and i think people are fatigued by it but they now accept the reality of it so when stage four got announced I didn't see any panic buying at all. The supermarkets yeah, right. were all pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, uh, Bunnings now, well, all trade. Like, timber yards are still open. Right. Um, some are saying you're only allowed to come if you're within a 5K radius. Oh, God. Um, if you're not trade, it's got to be contactless. If you are trade, some will let you into the timber yards. Right. Um but uh, no, I didn't see any of that here. I think people are now just a bit used to it, which is yeah. sad, but it's good. It's just it was just weird because in level three we can still go shopping, so I'm not sure why the, why there was the big panic. Like, and even in level four you can still go shopping, but not necessarily at a hardware store. But uh, yeah, just a weird weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess they haven't really had a chance. The stores haven't had a chance to enact any, you know. Oh, they um, did. They had oh, everything. They? The, yeah, from first thing in the morning, they had a, a num like a, a limited number of people in the shop and um, right. bloody queues everywhere and you name it. It was it was in, in place overnight, so they were ready for it. It's so funny to listen. Well, okay, I let me retract that. It's not <laughs> funny. It's well, certainly not it funny. But it's so it's, funny up in Townsville listening to all these stories. <laughs> well, that, that's pretty much where I was going to go. It's here in Queensland, it's just a completely different, and particularly up here in the north where we are so far removed from it. Um, yeah, we've just, just, it's just life as, as normal. But there's this horrible sense that because you dirty Victorians down there are, you know, just a couple <laughs> borders away. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of time, and I and I wish, I wish we had, because I don't believe Queensland's gonna get spared from this, you know, this run, but I wish they had acted qu- 
quicker because this, the timing was horrific because Queensland had been doing so well, all the numbers were dropping off. We were saying, our borders are open. Come <laughs> holiday with us. Come holiday mm. in Queensland as the cases were starting to rise. So mm. it's, yeah, it, 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 you'd almost think it's here. It just hasn't really been discovered yet. Mm. We'll yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah, I think, uh, I think now we do evening records every time from now on. Maybe after this episode, every mention of COVID is like a drink. Oh, yeah. That's a um, because, yeah. I can it's see just, a, uh, a glass of wine there, Brian. The what you, the wine. I've, I've got yeah. a glass of wine, yeah. 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 But, what, are you, uh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a nice wee Pinot. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Not much yeah. of a wine drinker myself, but um, yeah. uh, well, I would probably choose a Shiraz over everything else. That's the oh, one that sort of nice. sits with me the nicest. Yeah. It's been a exactly. funny thing. Like, I'm definitely drinking way, way less, but I'm drinking far more often. Okay. It's like at the end of every day, having watched a COVID press conference tried to make things in the backyard, tried to work out what's going to happen the next day. Mm. Yeah, I'm like, geez, I need a beer. But, um, <laughs> talking about making things, because that's what we uh, do outside yes. of talking about yeah, COVID. Yeah, talk about making things. Joey, you just finished uh, uh, that bookcase, which was, yeah. what a, who came up with that design? Well, I'm glad that the clients had a really pretty clear idea of what they wanted. And this was an interesting kind of whole thing because... Um, Typically, I think I've spoken about it before, I won't go to a client's house for like a consultation. It's like it's nine times, nine and a half times out of ten. It's a complete waste of my half of day and nothing ever happens. If, if you just do like these quote-unquote free site visit consultation things, it's a waste of time. Uh, in this case, he, the client rang me and um, specifically said, we, have, we want to do something really different and we can't really explain it to you. And he gave me some idea of what it was going to be. And I was straight away kind of like, okay, that's interesting. I think I'll, I'll try and come and have a look. So I ended up going to do a measure up on a Saturday morning, which I almost never do. Um, and it just turned out that they had like some sketches and some pretty clear ideas of what they wanted to do with this kind of eight meter wall section of, of their apartment. There's a fourth floor apartment. So I learned all about getting up and down lifts, Brian. So that was interesting. Um, and um, yeah. Can you describe, and, like, okay, they weren't able to describe it. Can you describe it to people who can't see the pictures of it? Yeah. So we've got a um, apartment wall. It's a dividing wall between one apartment and the next. So there's some giant beams hidden in the wall. So creating some kind of little uh, step outs, if you will, with kind of plasterboarded over big beams that hold up the building and so you've got about a straight section of walls about eight meters long from the from the front door of the apartment through to the kind of expansive window looking out over the city and um, we start as soon as you open the door you have like a little bench to put your shoes on put your shoes inside the bench and then from there this kind of bookcase just kind of meanders along the wall, stepping up and down, and there's little pieces that kind of jut out to help support it, but also clients were quite specific about where they wanted these kind of little overlapping intersections of bookcase, and it just kind of 
kind of grows along the wall a bit like a vine, I suppose, and ends up kind of wrapping around the TV. And that's kind of what they wanted was something that was more sculptural but functional. And we added some LED lights, which he also had some very specific ideas about the LEDs actually pointing to the towards the back wall instead of pointing down on the books. So we had to do some interesting kind of techniques to, just to, to hide the LEDs but have them facing backwards. And, so how, um, how did you do that? So, so to describe the bookcase, all the sections were two pieces of 18mm plywood with oak veneer. So we mm-hmm. just straight up glued them all together, um, all these sections of plywood, and then we added a, a 36 by 36 solid oak edging to the front edge of, of it all because the clients had also asked for a very heavy roundover on the front edge of the, the bookcase. And... Um, so where that that solid edging met the plywood, on the plywood we put a big bevel, um, kind of. How do we? How do you describe it? It's just a large bevel on the bottom edge of the plywood, and so then when we added the solid oak to the front, there was a little lip that hung hung down, and it's just enough that we could hide an eight mil strip of LED, and so mm. the LEDs were stuck to the back edge of the front lipping if that makes any yeah, sense. Right, okay. Yeah, gotcha. um, and so for underneath, it looks a bit ugly, but on the lower shelves, which is only where the LEDs were, it was on the lower shelves, and you can't see anything. So, um, hmm. And so so there's a few things. It was a steel stud wall with a double layer of fire fireproof jibboard or plasterboard. So finding the studs was a pain in the ass. Luckily, <laughs> the client had a picture from the construction of the building clever man and that like would say you should do that yeah. when you when you renovate take pictures so yeah. you know where they are and we could see and the best thing was on the leaning against the wall was a 1200 wide sliding door that was to go on the other side of the building but we could use that as scale like a workout where the studs started and we could i could measure off part of the wall and get all the stud um, stud count so i could we hit the stud almost every time just off measure so so um, you, were, you were trying to use just some uh, electronic stud detector? I did have one and that actually worked as well. My initial plan, I bought a couple of uh, rare earth magnets, the really strong That's exactly strong what ones. I was just about to suggest. And I was like, I'm just going to slide this magnet along and it's going to stick on every stud, but it didn't, it didn't go Wouldn't through stick. the double layer of jib. So, um, Shit. Interesting. Yeah, I saw um, uh, Raymond Valdez doing that. Ramon yeah, Valdez. I, yeah. I've done it before yeah. on a single layer of jib and it's awesome because the round magnets have a hole in the middle. And you yeah, can just so drill just through the, the middle of it, and that's where, you, that's where it is. Anyway, my stud finder did work to a degree, so that was um, pretty helpful. But so all these shelves are held onto the wall with a whole array of custom-made steel brackets, and um, it's pretty intense. And you've hidden it; you've routed the thickness yeah. of the steel into the. It looks amazing. So right I really thought it was a scale model when I saw <laughs> it on your. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's. Um, it's uh, it's really a large installation, and um, originally they said I said to them, "Oh, you want this all floating?" Like they showed me the sketch, and I was like, oh, "How the heck are we going to do this?" I said, "How thick do you want the shelves?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, like twenty mil." And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> "We can't we can't go that we can't go that thin. How about thirty six? Like that's a, about the thinnest I think is possible." Yeah. Um, because we ended up using like 25 by 5 mil flat bar with a whole bunch of studs welded to it sticking off the wall. 
Yep. And so because of the shape, if you ha guys have a look at my Instagram account, you can see all the ups and downs of the bookcase, and they're all there to give the bookcase some purchase so it doesn't just want to lever itself off the wall. Ah, right, and, okay. Um, so there's lots of bits that jut up and down, and they're literally there stopping it from falling off the wall because otherwise there's not enough leverage. Yeah, so if you just had one flat plane... That's right. They would just pivot even Even with the yeah. steel studs, you know, they, we've only got 25 mil of kind of solid anchoring onto the jib board. And even then, that's going to start to compress under load. So you've got to give it way more surface area. And so we added all these kind of ups and downs. And, and um, Are those could, steel studs quite... Because the, the actual sheet that you're yeah. screwing into, it's not very thin, is it? I know. It's not very it's, thick. No, no, it's thin as. Um, but luckily, like they, this, the kind of self-drilling, self-tapping screws hold super well into them when you actually get one okay. i mean that's not coming out anytime soon um it, it's annoying it's 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 a little bit disconcerting because you think that the screw you know only kind of binds for a, a few turns and then it's tight and you think oh it's it's like if you were drilling into wood you would think you would missed um, yeah like a, a, a two mil piece of wood yeah. you've got a couple of turns of that thread and that's it yeah and that's it so anyway um like there was so many things that could have gone wrong. Every piece could have been comp no. Like I was, <laughs> I was pretty stressed. I was a bit stressed because um, you know I I wanted to get that job done and out of get out of the city, and and every piece just fitted like perfectly into place. We had there was two pieces I knew we had to trim on site. We trimmed them on site, and the rest of it just went in. So awesome. It was a big sigh of relief. And it, it looks bloody awesome. It does look awesome. Do they own that uh, flat? Yeah, they bought the apartment. So what? How does that work in terms? Because here I don't in Australia, know. we use <laughs> it's strata. Is your if you own a property in a in a, a flat or unit? Right. Um, would they? Need, no, I guess because they're not. No. They're not going. No, no you own internal internal, you own internal the, structural you own changes. That building, you don't own the land. Say again? You own the like part of the building that's your property, but you don't own the land that it's built on. Yeah, yeah, but I mean more like with, with those sort of apartments, because I looked into this before I bought my first place, which ended up being a house, because I just I looked at an apartment and I thought there's all these, the, this, the strata rules are so... What is that? I'm not familiar. It's, 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 a, it's, it's oh, help me out, Brian. I can't remember what there's, there's a community... Title, it's a body, title, body corporate. Oh, right. It basically that says that if, stuff and if you want to change, to have any approved, like if you want to change the cladding to your balcony or change uh, the yeah. windows it be or something like that. anything that's outside of the building. That yeah, he, anything that's visible from the outside or any structural yeah. changes to the internals of the apartment. But yeah. um, in terms of fit out, you can kind of do whatever you want, really. Pretty much. Um, but uh, no, it looks really good, man. So how, yeah, how long were you working on that for? Actually went together really quick. Um, I'd say a total of six days, maybe. It's pretty good. Um, because really, it was just, I think we ordered eight sheets of oak plywood and then just yeah. ripped it all down into strips, glued the heck out of this whole stack and just pressed it all onto my um, uh, assembly table and just glued them all up in, in one day and just had this giant stack of plywood. 
and then um, spent uh, a day. So you, so you didn't buy thirty six mil plywood. No, you laminated no, together 18. to make your own. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. And um, what you can't see from the pictures is that if you're standing at the at the door looking at the lowest point, which is a little bench seat, um, all of the shelves taper from where you're standing out towards oh, really? the, the window. There's a huge long taper along the whole, the, almost none of them are straight. Um, and so hmm. every we couldn't just cut a whole lot at, at the same width. We had mm. to cut a whole lot at the largest size and then form these tapers and they all had to be exactly the right length. So every step and turn, they're all getting a little bigger as they go, they're getting wider. And so that, that we spent probably three days of the whole job just cutting these rips these long rips and you know, getting all the angles just right um, and then we glued on all our front lipping onto that and uh, did a whole bunch of finagling with the joints because we had to these kind of T intersections with a roundover on one of the yeah, sides. Yeah, that's a so, tricky one. And that was took a bit of working out. <laughs> so I put mitres wherever I could to, 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 to uh, <laughs> avoid doing so much um, kind of coke cuts. But, mm. What was the rationale behind the, the width changes? Uh, just a different dimension, just to give it some more depth and a bit more feel, I think. Um, I think it must be quite trippy when you stand at the door and your, your pers- perspective isn't doing what it should do and getting Yeah, it's like yeah. forced perspective. Yeah, yeah, almost. It really is. I suppose it would cool. be like um, kind of forced foreshortening, I guess you would call it mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I didn't never really thought about it like that. You would feel it more if there was a big bank of it, and you and the whole mm-hmm. wall kind of came in. But because mm-hmm. it's yeah. just elements of the wall jutting out, I think yeah, it really does enough. feel a bit more organic. I suppose is what the yeah. is what exactly what they were going for. So yeah, really fun piece. So and the LEDs that you use, where did you get those from? Um, so I have a local company really close to me who supply everything you could imagine if you were in the cabinet making furniture making game and they do a um, for kitchens hey yeah and they do a a bunch of leds and i just pick up whatever they happen to have in stock it's a bit annoying because they change their lighting stock kind of frequently and so you can't always rely on the same stuff being available but um it's, it's good stuff and it's made for cabinet makers and whoever to install you don't have to be a sparky so that's good. Is is the how do you, is it does it come with the adhesive back? Yeah, so you just buy um, there's all different types of the LED strip, and then it's all kind of compatible with their driver systems. And mm. so depending on how long of LED strip you buy, you just buy the appropriate driver to power that, and then you can buy a range of um, different switches to go with that. So you just kind of plug it all together depending on what you want to do. And then it plugs into a plug socket. You just plug it into the normal power socket, which converts it down to 12 volts. And hmm. I've always had such bad luck with those sticky backs. They always, the LEDs always pull away from the walls. That's why I ask if you had some. Oh, okay. Some yeah, I've fancy. never had them really, unless the cables are pulling on them, um, they, they can start to, over time to eventually pull that where the cable joins on to the, to the LED strip. But generally I find they stay put. So, yeah, that was a fun job. Uh, Robin, you are, by the looks, working or just about finished this vanity that we talked about at some point. Yeah, 
this this super simple vanity which has taken me about seven weeks seven or eight weeks to get to this point just because it's been so busy with work yeah so everything's done i did that the last time we talked off air we were we were talking about this this front piece the front part of the vanity is a 120 mil wide board that it has been doweled into the side panels and we talked about how could I have done that with solid wood instead of the plywood that I used because I was worried about the movement and yeah I, I, I thought about that for a couple of days after that show after the show and I'm still happy that I did the plywood but I don't feel like I I don't feel like I've had the, the question answered. Right. I, I still, <laughs> I still don't know what I'd do if I do if I had to do it again. But yeah, so that's all been put in. The front face that covers it has been finished. Um, everything's drying now. I'm on the second coat. I'm using the floor. Um, oh yeah, CFD floor. Amazing stuff, hey? Yeah, it's awesome really really enjoy working and it's funny we were talking about the uh, hard wax oils the other day this is so much better goes on so much easier brian you mentioned the climate i reckon that must be it i think it must be because it just I think it, it must be flows so much nicer and i'm using a, a roller just putting it on with a normal microfiber roller and works so much better um, this was actually the first project that i've done where i uh, pre-finished all the boards well, except the outside panels, uh, the outside of the panels, but all the internals, uh, pre-finished everything. And I think I'll probably try and do this again where I can. Because mm. you can lay everything flat, yep. finish so it much easier. perfectly, and then put... Obviously, the problem is then you've just got to be so careful with everything. But the f level of finish you can get is just massively superior. Yeah, I am actually having... I'm, I'm going to... So uh, I think I was meant to talk about this earlier on, but we diverted. Um, so at the moment, I'm making the sideboard, which is uh, oak. The lady wants a black finish. And I didn't even think about using, um, you know, the old vinegar and steel wool to like blacken the oak. I just, I had a, about a half a liter of black stain, dye stain. And I just started staining that and I was like, yeah, it's black, but it's kind of it always goes a bit blue black when I use that particular dye stain. And, um, and then after I put the first layer coat of stain on, I thought, oh, why don't I try just putting the, the vinegar steel wool solution on top and it will just darken, which it did. Mm. It darkened everything up, but the bloody grain raised so badly. Yeah. On it. And I was like, what well, now, what do I do? Cause now I've got to sand it off again. And so I sanded it, took a lot of the blackness away. Mm. And so then I put more vinegar and steel wool on, which made it black again. But the grain raised again. Raised the grain again. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh. and so then I, I think I sanded it again, put more stain on top of that, and it's nice and black. And yeah, I was like, by this stage, no wonder. <laughs> like, so now, but it's still not quite smooth enough. And so I'm like, I need a, some finish on there that I can kind of seal it in and then kind of maybe that's going to help with sanding it. So I've, I had this sample can of Osmo graphite color. So it's not perfect, but it's dark. It's not clear. And I thought maybe adding some kind of 
darker finish on top of the, all this other black is going to even help. And it kind of does look nice. Uh, I don't mind the slight graphite gray coming through. It actually makes an interesting kind of texture, but it feels like crap. It's still rough. And if mm. um, I don't like how it feels or is looking, it's, does, it's no sheen to it. I'm not, I'm not sure why it's not performing like the other Osmo I've used where I've got such a nice gloss shine from it. So, Could you tomorrow. then apply a normal coat of Osmo over the top of it? Yeah, possibly. I hadn't thought about that. So my plan tomorrow is just to put um, water-based poly on top of that now that it's all dry. <laughs> And actually build up a sheen and make and probably get a bit more depth with all those layers that I've got going on. Hopefully, I'll get you know more of a satin smooth feel from it. It is all the it is always the issue. Like black is never black. Yeah, black is ever either brown or it's blue black. Yeah, um, and yeah, the ebonizing is great, but it definitely lifts the grain. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how to. I think it's I think it. it's all about a combination of the mm. two. I think um, the best way is to build up the f first few coats with the ebonizing solution and maybe tea or the yeah. um, what was it that Laura was talking about? The powdered uh, powdered tannins, tannin. powdered tannins yeah. uh, something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah. And then I don't know. For me, I reckon uh, the um, India ink mm. as a as a final rub gives a really nice finish. It dries so quickly. Yeah, um, and th I think that's the only way I can achieve a black that I really, really like. Yeah. And do but, you find um, so with so I use this Brywax uh, dye stain, and I've been using it since I was like fourteen, and it's bloody awesome stuff. Turn must um, be pretty old by now. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that particular <laughs> can is almost dry. <laughs> um, so. It's very similar, I think, probably to... I've used a little bit of India ink. Um, so the Brywax stuff is a meth, methylated spirits-based dye, and yep. it dries, you know, like shellac in, in about minutes. three seconds. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah. It's just yep. gone, flashed off. By the time you've wiped that piece down, it's dry. Um, and so I, with, with the dye stain, with the Brywax, you do lose some of that stain when you apply the first coat of finish. Yeah, okay. it kind of rub it kind of comes back off with whatever solution you're applying to it. So whether it's the polyurethane or an Osmo type oil, it's going to take some of that away. So the trick is to apply it very quickly and don't rub it around too much. Just get it on there and, and let it dry and seal in the color. Is that do you do you find you get any color removal with the the India ink or is it just it no stays? I find I find like, usually I'd let it maybe dry for at least a few hours even though it's right. like like you said it's touch yeah. dry in seconds and it's bone yeah. dry within minutes yeah. but I'll generally let it dry for a few hours and then um, put Osmo on and just roll it on and oh, okay, yeah. I don't think I've had any issues where the black has sort of come back out or oh that's good um, yeah so I think maybe it's just this product with the, with the being a, a dye stain rather rather than an ink, it it mm. just wants to lift a little bit with any kind of thinner chemical that happens to be in whatever clear coat you're using. I think it just lifts it slightly. The India ink's pretty good and it's not super expensive and it goes a really long way. Mm. Um, compared to like if you're buying yeah a dedicated black Osmo or something like that and you're 
paying 300 bucks a can versus paying 50 bucks yeah. for the India ink and then yeah. just sticking with your normal Osmo. India ink, um, I've never heard of it before. What, where do you get it from? Like, yeah, it's just it's, um, like stamp ink. Yeah. Okay. It's a trick that a lot of wood turners use it for doing, um, yeah, like carved bowls and things like that to turn those black. Mm. And where do you get it from? So you can, like you can put it on shops for small amounts. Yeah, yeah, art supply shops, but um, when they're turning with it, they can sort of buff it and apply it at the same time, and that's what they mm. like. Like it gives a really nice luster. You know, okay. uh, Robin, in the old days when you had a library and the librarian would stamp your book and she'd have that pad, which would grab yeah. a stamp, and well, that pad would dry out every now and then, and so they've got to pour more ink into it. And that, well, you buy a little bottle of India ink, and, and they would use it for um, printing books and stuff like professional printers would use it as like your black um, type ink on whatever it happened to be in the old days. And so you generally I've only ever seen it in like, very small bottles, like maybe 50 mil or 100 mil if you're lucky. I'm not sure can get, if you can get bigger There's amounts. an art supply shop in Melbourne that sells half liters for oh, wow. about 60 bucks, I think. Oh, that's good. I think Fine. it's about 60 bucks. I haven't bought it in, like, I've had it for maybe three years and I'm halfway done it. Um, how, how do you apply so it? Is it with just a rag? Yeah, just a rag. Just you know, I put it on with a ruler as well, actually. I think if it's warm, I'll tend to apply it with a ruler because it is going off so quickly that you need to cover the surface to um, try to keep a wet edge on it. But, um, yeah, normally I'll just buff it in with a rag. And um, Number one tip, wear gloves if you ever want to be allowed <laughs> in your house again by your wife. <laughs> yeah, um, I can imagine. Because yeah. that stuff gets into your fingers and it will not come out. No. Well, you just said a, a half liter uh, tin of it, and I just thought that's a terrible idea. Why would they ship it in that amount? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. It's, I think it's Speedball Ink is the brand. Yeah. That, um, yeah. yeah. No, interesting. So, yeah. All right, I reckon um, we'll leave it there for tonight. Are you guys all right with that? Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, so every future, every future mention of COVID is one drink. Okay, guys, that's it. I have my beer so, ready next well, week. I'll, I'll have a tally at least. I'm, I'll take a tally of it, and then I'll maybe do the drinks afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. That really does help us out. The Shop Store podcast is available on iTunes and most other podcast apps. My name is Robin Lewis. Joy and Brian, thanks very much for hanging out. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you in the next show. See you guys. See you guys.